0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. It is Brandon speaking. It's Monday, February 9th, 2009, and we're kicking off a very busy week here um, with a with a truly great guest that I am so excited to speak to. He was on one of my all-time favorite shows, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Uh, some quick programming notes. Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, I've got uh, Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Aubrey Moore. If you don't recognize that name, she had a huge hit song about 10, 12 years ago called Four Leaf Clover. And uh, she's an Austin gal, and I'm from Austin, and she's one of my favorites. I've adored her ever since I first heard her. And uh, she's agreed to come on the show Wednesday night, so that's going to be fun. Thursday morning, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time, I've got Knotts Landing actress Joan Van Ark stopping by for a few minutes to tell us what she's up to and gab about her fantastic career. She's a legendary Tony-nominated actress. And that's going to be great fun. And it's going to be great fun tonight. I have a terrific guest, a babyface 24 years of age, when he nabbed his first role as a rapidly aged Joey Jake Martin on the ABC classic All My Children. With his fresh scrubbed, slightly roguish charm, and his stunning good looks, there was no denying he belonged before a camera. And there was no doubt the camera would forever love him back. After three tumultuous years in New York City as Joe and Ruth Martin's youngest son, he headed back to his native California for the role of a lifetime, that of sophisticated, renegade-free spirit Ted Capwell on NBC's late, great Santa Barbara. Just over a year after accepting that job, Santa Barbara came to a tragic, too-early end, and he was left to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. And did he ever. He found great success in the theater, both as a stage actor and as a published playwright, and he continues to dabble in both episodic television and and independent film. And tonight he's dropping by the buzz to reminisce about the good old days and tell us what lies ahead in his career. I am so thrilled... So welcome to Brandon's Buzz this fine evening, the dashing, the terrific Michael Brainerd.
2: Wow, I feel like I can die now.
1: (laughs) It it sounds complete. (laughs) It's really a great honor to speak to you. I've been a big fan for a long time, and I appreciate you dropping by here to to hang with us for a few minutes.
0: Well, certainly,
2: thank you for having me aboard.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So I have to tell everybody, I found Michael on Facebook, and I, I wrote him a quick email, and inside of two minutes... He emailed back and said, "I'm in." He sent me his phone number. We talked on the phone for a bit, and here we are. It was, it was probably the fastest uh, acceptance of an invite that I've had so far. So
0: nice. Yeah, it's
2: really, really weird. Gosh, it's so amazing. I just, uh, I just signed up. I was waiting for the longest time to sign up for Facebook because I'm, you know, I was on MySpace and I would hit that thing two or three times a day, and now Facebook. I, it's, it's, I don't even visit MySpace anymore. I'm, old friends are just looking me uh-huh. up, and I'm looking uh-huh. for old friends, and it, I go, you know, back to high school, college years. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It Really, is something.
1: Facebook is even more interactive than MySpace was too. It's, yeah, that's that's yeah. the fun of it. I mean, it's it it encourages even more interactivity, even more connections.
2: It does. It does. It's uh, it's been fun, and and just consuming though. Really,
1: time to... <laughs> some people that I didn't even talk to, like in high school, I'm talking. That's to now. that's been exactly my experience. I, it's like you didn't even say word one to me in high school, and and now we're we're Facebook friends. It's like <laughs> it's very funny. So uh, give us the sixty second rundown on Michael Brainerd. Where where were you born? Where'd you go to school? Give us all the boring stuff. Okay. Uh, okay
2: uh, I was born in Los Angeles um, My father Was an L.A. City firefighter Though I grew up in Orange County uh, I was born up here because I guess that's where he had And listen, there's a fire truck Going right down the street, Engine 35 In Los Angeles, California Excellent um, But uh, yeah I At Queen of Angels Hospital uh, Which is in Hollywood Born in Hollywood and I live in Los Feliz now, uh, which is uh, kind of a little east of Hollywood, and uh, right next to Griffith Park. Um, okay. I, I grew up in uh, Laguna Hills, California, went to Laguna Hills High School, uh, went to uh, uh, Cal State Fullerton for a time, and then I, I kind of dropped out of college. I didn't kind of, I dropped out of college, and then uh, went to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, Theater uh, Film Institute in Los Angeles, and after that, I've had you know acting teachers ever since. So I really haven't stopped. Um, Excellent. Even now. Education. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's terrific. Yeah. Um, are you do you, when you when you go to classes now? Are you recognized, or or has kind of enough time passed that it's not really? Actors don't really give a flying rat, and <laughs> rat about you. So, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know,
2: you Because you're competition. That. Well. No, no, no. I, acting class isn't really like that. It's like okay. you know, we're all here to learn, and okay. uh, and though it is kind of competitive, you know, you wanna you wanna make sure that you're you're good, no matter what the audience is. So you know, if somebody gets up on stage and does a scene and, and is really good. Well, you you feel like oh, I gotta live up to that
0: and <laughs>
2: try really hard, and because you know you don't want to be bad ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's uh, it's it's good, you know. Actors actors and acting classes are all there to learn. So
1: yeah, everybody gets chewed a new one by the teacher at some point. You know, there's (laughs) nobody's immune. (laughs) And have you had any teachers that that uh, we would know as kind of lay people, I guess? Uh,
2: no. Okay. Uh, Sandra Lee was my teacher in New York, and she she was an old actor studio. member and uh and she's an acting coach now, and she is still an acting coach in, for for big movies so that's about the only one and my teacher here in l a one of my teachers here Sal romeo who i'm uh, very good friends with and i I do a lot of theater projects with and uh and I just started a class with uh, Stacy martino who's uh, an old friend as well and she's uh uh, she does uh i you know i i i taken her class because it 's uh, it 's not a most acting classes are are scene work you know you do a scene you get critiqued and uh, and this one is a little more inner work it's uh, it's. if anybody knows anything about the actor studio or or the method acting and all of that it's it 's yeah. uh, more about that it 's kind of it 's almost like meditating you know you 're up on stage and uh you're going over past, it's almost like a past life regression in a way. You go through these sessions where you're meditating on a person or a, a place in your life uh, in the past and you spend a lot of time going over that. And if it brings up emotions, well, you can use that you know, yeah. in the future somehow. Yeah. And it's, it's also just sort of to open you up and keep you, you know, in that frame of mind so that you can access that stuff instantly when you're on a television and and, and film uh, yeah, so that's Thank what I'm just started doing that one with her, and it's going really
1: well. Wow, uh, you know, I'm I'm a writer, and I I've been in several uh, writing classes and writing workshops, and you know it's it's pretty it's it's a similar it's a similar kind of feeling, I think. You know, when when a writing workshop is really good, it can get pretty brutal because everybody's being, you know, if if everybody's doing it right, they're being terribly honest, and you know, it, on paper it sounds like it sounds like an awful experience, but in reality, it's it's the best kind of experience.
2: Yeah. You know, the first thing you need to learn how to do as an actor is you got to leave your ego at the door because if you're, really, I mean, if you, it can Better talk to you. You, can, you know, that whole, that whole oh, my God, what do they think that we all have in the back of our mind that uh-huh. we, that's from, you know, in high school or junior high school. It's all, the first thing you learn to do is to be cool. you got to be yep. cool. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means to you. And you're always trying to figure out what cool it is and and that is sort of like your ego's putting the you know the governor on you you know you gotta you can't go too fast you can't uh you gotta remain status quo and and if you get out of that boy, you're gonna get you know stomped on or made fun of or not get invited to the prom whatever so <laughs> so you gotta bring that set that aside so that you can really get up on stage and fly, yeah. Uh, and in, and i know i've been to those writer things too and those are a lot more harsh i think i
1: you know i, I i've it's never brutal. been in an actor one so i don't have anything to to compare it to but when, but you're when right when you it, know, when you it's you,
2: when you write you spend a lot of time a lot of time doing this one thing and mm-hmm. and you're so proud of it and happy that when you come finish something and the sense of accomplishment is grand and then you hand it out to people and that and, you know when they get to be honest it's like oh, you don't know what you're talking about you know, give me that back. <laughs> give me my script back. I <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I feel that, you know, when I, when I write and I give people things that I've written. And, and then at once in a while, you know, I'll, after a while I'll get over my ego and and I'll be able to hear what they've said. But yeah. in acting, it's kind of not like that for me. I I'm,
1: you know, able to listen a little bit better for some reason that's good yeah. you, you know I think I've always thought that, that kind of writing and acting come from the same place inside yourself the the big difference to me is it's hard to write by committee and it's hard to act alone and so that's yeah. that's kind yeah. of but I mean other uh, laying that aside they come from similar places inside yourself I think
2: well yeah I think all creation does you know it's uh I've uh you know, in the time since I've been uh, away from Santa Barbara, you know, that was ninety three when we ended. You know, I, I, I started painting. I was uh I was at a garage sale and I picked up a, a set of watercolors. Fifty cents and I'm like, Yeah, this is cool. They've never been used. I'm gonna try this. So I went home and I started painting and I remembered, Oh my god, yeah, I took art lessons when I was a kid <laughs> and these lessons they kinda they stayed with me, you know, because uh-huh. for some reason I was able to sort of do this and be proud of the things <laughs> that I, had, I had made. And then uh, and then that morphed, in, morphed into sculpting. I started carving dried clay pieces, and I made a chess set. And I'm
1: like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: that, you know, and then uh, for some reason that morphed into woodworking, which I do quite a bit of now. And i got to say the headspace is all the same the 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 place where the impulse comes from, it's all the same writing, mm-hmm. acting, mm-hmm. woodworking, whatever. You know, it's it's I crave it. So
1: it's all it's all creation. It's starting with nothing and ending with something.
2: That's right. It's the great sense yeah. accomplishment when you've done something.
1: Absolutely. You know, I was going to ask you about all your woodworking later because it's, and I want to tell everybody Michael has a fabulous website. It's Michael dot com, and uh, on it there are pictures of 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 pieces of furniture that he's actually carved, and I was going to ask you about that later, but since we're talking about it now, um, uh, is this just for personal fulfillment, or do you sell your pieces? What what's the what's oh, the story no, behind no. this?
2: It's, it's uh, I do it because I, I like to eat. <laughs> food, food is good.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, there bill and uh, acting. Um, uh, there's been many years where it's been very lean. You know, yep. and that's what it is. That's, it's that's inconsistent. <laughs> You know, the greatest advice I was given Well, one time when I was, I did uh, Circus of the Stars one time, if you remember that show. I do, I do. And I did uh, the High Wire Act, and this guy who was training us on the High Wire Act, is German guy, uh, Carl Wynn. and uh, he did all these things. You know, he was a pilot, and he was a circus performer and uh, an actor and all kinds of things. And then one time, you know, we're, we're hanging out the Rehearsing uh, the high wire act, and he goes, "What else you do, Michael?" And I go, oh, uh, "I I I do I act." He goes, "You don't do anything else? Is there something else that you you can make money at?" Uh, I'm like, "No, I don't
0: think so. I used to
2: be a waiter, I guess. I Don't have to go back to that." And he goes, "You know, if you're an actor and you're really you're you're on a, a good wave right now." And he said but if there's gonna be a couple of years where it's gonna be really lean, you should really try to find something to do. <laughs> and I boy, that got me thinking, you know. Yeah. I I just still couldn't think of anything to do, but it came in its own time, you know. I didn't just set about at that point becoming a woodworker or anything else. I just it just sort of came in its own time. It came when I needed an armoire. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in this uh in this back house, a beautiful house, uh in in Hollywood, and uh, it didn't have a closet, and so I found these old doors, and so I, I took four old doors, I fixed three of them together, and I used the the fourth door as the as the actual door. Oh wow! And I had crystal doorknob on it, and I stripped
1: the paint off it. It's
2: gorgeous. It just it was. It stunned. It stunned me that I was <laughs> able to to do that, and uh, I still have it. It's what I used to. That's my my closet. And
1: piece, but, how, but do, how do you how do you learn a skill like this? I mean, is it is it just something inherent in you, or where does where does the where does the talent for it come from?
2: Uh, well, I had done construction off and on. You know, okay. high school, I was. Okay. I worked as a framer and uh, roofer, and uh, you know. Uh, just working for a a couple of different contractors, and I picked up these things that I didn't know. It's kind of like the same thing with the, you know, I took art lessons as a kid. Yeah. And I was, I learned how to use power tools, basically. But nobody ever gave me plans and said, here, build this, you know. I just, uh, it was out of need. Mm -hmm. I needed this armoire. (laughs) Well, well, let's, you know, let's rip these boards apart and (laughs) put them together and see if we can, and then, you know. And it worked. I, you know, I, I did have some skills, though. But first, you just got to be uh, confident in in the tools, <laughs> and
0: not
2: not be afraid of a table saw. And, <laughs> but it's a very scary piece of equipment, though. Uh, yeah. There's some scary stuff that those things can do to you. <laughs> so a steak knife is
1: scary enough for me. So I can't even yeah. imagine that.
2: Yeah, really. Let <laughs> I mean, that thing shoot things at me. I mean, I was. Oh God, I've used a table saw for a really stupid thing've I've, I've done some cuts on on a table saw that never should have happened. and <laughs> my fingers have been so close to the, the blade so, so many times I'm knocking on wood every time I say that I am you know last what was the last thing last spring I put a piece of wood through that table saw the wrong way,, mm. and it shot back and hit me in the solar plexus, and I'm like, oh, my, I'm gonna die. And, you know, I looked down and sure enough, you know, nothing, you know, no skin was broken or anything. But, God, I, I shut everything down and I, you know, went for a walk. And, and I, you know, on those days like that where you gotta take your lucky stars and maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this today.
0: <laughs>
2: but uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, but you can't be afraid of it. And I just got to stop doing stupid stuff. And I have, believe me.
1: <laughs> so is there is there is there a piece of... A particular kind of genre of furniture, I guess, that you focus on, or is there nothing that you can't put together if someone commissions it?
0: Uh, well, I
2: like to think that. You know, if they commission me to make something that's crazy, then I change their mind, but <laughs> <laughs> if they still want something from me. But uh, uh, I always like to push myself into making something that I haven't made. I want, I'm pushing myself to be a better. Woodworker, I hope that by the time I'm 70 or 80 years old, I can, I can call myself a master at it. I really do, um, but I'm far from that. Um, I, right now, I, I'm, I make most of my stuff out of salvaged lumber, so I'll find things on the streets, like old doors. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to make is uh, are chairs out of old doors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those are quite popular. Uh, I have a few people in line that would like to, you know, have, a, have one of my chairs. Uh, so every now and then I'll make one and I'll call these people up and see if they want it. And, Excellent. But, uh, you know, old crates, old anything that's, you know, I'll, I'll go dumpster diving and construction dumpsters and I'll find some really nice stuff. I, I find all kinds of stuff that way. Wow. But uh, the piece that I'm making now is I found this really great uh, lumber yard downtown, uh, downtown L.A., And uh, they have these um, extra pieces that they cut off of fine lumber. And it's sort of a supply house. They'll supply all the the lumber yards in town. And this stuff is very rough cut, and they're about four to five feet long. That's the longest piece of of board you get there. And I'll go through those piles, and I'll get them for really cheap, because otherwise they'll just, you know, throw them away. And uh, that's what I'm making now, a piece out of walnut that I went down to that yard and purchased some of that walnut for pennies on the dollar. And, um, yeah. And I got the machines to mill it down and make it look pretty.
1: <laughs> so it's true what they say, that one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yes. <laughs> it's true. And what's the most ambitious piece that you've ever put together? Oh, my God.
2: Every piece is ambitious.
1: Um,
0: <laughs>
2: i got to say that, that you know, when, whenever... Somebody commissions me to make something. I, you know, they ask, well, when can, when, when can we expect it done? And I tell them, I just don't know. I really don't, you know. I'll, I'll work on it. I mean, I'm an actor. I'll, you know, I'll get an audition in the middle of the day, and I'll have to leave. You know, I'll mm-hmm. only put in two hours of work on it or whatever in the day. And sometimes I'll be out there all day long. What I do is I'll stare at my pile of wood, and I won't get any work done. But I'm I'm working inside my head, you know. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the stuff, and I'll stare at the stuff forever. And sometimes days will go by like that, and I'll, I'm like I'm I'm way behind. I better start, you know, turning the machines on. And, <laughs> and but but it, that's part of it, you know, for me. Yeah. You know, figuring out what is going to be what, and yeah, it's. Um,
1: Listen, you know, I'm a writer. I totally understand uh, getting the lay of the land of the raw materials and seeing what you got to work with. I totally get it.
2: There's this one woodworker I was talking to one time, and he goes. He says, "You know, they always ask me, uh, you know, when 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 can they when can they expect their their piece?" And I say, "Hey," what? and he says, "Hey, what, what do you, what do you expect?" I, I'm uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm expensive, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Your piece is about thousands of dollars. That must mean you know you you know you can take it to do it." <laughs> You know, I jack the price up on people, and they feel good about getting it back in five
1: months. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, go check out michaelbrainer.com and there, like I said, there's, it's, it, first of all, it's a gorgeous website, and there's all kinds of pictures and video clips, and there's a resume, and there's pictures of some of the furniture that we've been talking about that he carves, and it's, there's some really amazing stuff there. I mean, it's, Thank it, you. You, you, I mean, I hope you're nothing but proud of it. I, uh, I, am, I am, I
2: am, you know, sometimes I am.
1: <laughs> yeah so um, did you always know you wanted to act, or was it something that kind of came gradually to you as you as you grew up?
2: yeah I think I always knew I wanted to act um when I got into into high school, well, I did one a couple of plays in you know in school come growing up uh and i and I really liked it, but in high school, you know you finally get your electives. And uh, my friends, you know, you get your friends together. Well, we do want to take together. We had, this is a chance t- to take classes together. And so my friends were like, well, we got to take typing. <laughs> I'm like, are you guys crazy? Typing? Let's take drama. Come on, that'll be fun. I mean, it's an easy class. No, no, we got to take typing. Okay. So I took typing the first semester of my freshman year. And I got a D in it. But I swear to God, I still know how to type. I still know <laughs> where all the keys are. It helps me to this day. And uh, But the second semester, I, I convinced one of my friends to take drama with me, and, and he dropped out after that semester, and I, I continued. I went on. Wow. And, we both, yeah.
1: and do you remember some of the plays that you that you did or read or some of the pieces?
2: I remember all of them. Okay. What do you want to know? Uh, a particular favorite? The first play I was in was uh, Flowers for Algernon, which uh, Excellent, Charlie. The movie Charlie. Yeah,
1: absolutely. An an, an Academy Award winner for, for Cliff Robertson. Cliff, very good. <laughs> good. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh Coach I know my Coach. stuff. Yeah, uh, apparently, and uh, we did a you know musicals. High school I was always loved to do musicals. I did Yankees yeah. an- and Fiddler on the Roof, and then Guys and Dolls. I was Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls my senior year.
0: Wow! The last time
2: I ever sang on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's happy about that but uh, yeah I did uh, the front page Mr. Roberts I did uh, One Flow of the Cook's Nest I played the uh, uh, Randall P. McMurphy Jack Nicholson's part
1: Okay, that's an ambitious uh, uh, production for high school don't you think yeah oh you know high school
2: did some <laughs> crazy stuff yeah, yeah it was, it was uh, well it,
1: it was Hollywood though so Well,
2: actually, Laguna Hills. Okay, okay. Very far south of Hollywood in Orange County. Okay. But it's okay. I got out of there.
1: (laughs) So was All My Children your first big role, or is that that an IMDB myth? Yeah,
0: that's my first big role.
1: Was it your first role period, or did you have some camera work before then? A couple
2: of months before that. Um, I came very close a lot of times uh, when I was just out of high school. I got an agent, and uh, and I was auditioning quite a bit, in, uh, and this is 1984. And I got uh, really close, actually. That was between me and Jason Gedrick on Iron Eagle.
1: Movie oh, wow, I, okay. Yeah, I almost got that part.
2: Wow. That would have changed uh, a lot of things.
1: You bet, yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and then another one was Tough Turf, where I came really close to getting the part that... Uh, Oh, gosh, what's the guy's name? He's on Boston Legal now.
1: James Spader? Yeah, yeah, Spader.
2: Okay. okay. Spader got that. But these are the people I would see all the time on auditions. I would see the same faces, and we were all just sort of getting started at that time. You know, Matt LeBlanc, I would see all the time. And I remember, here's a good story. I went on this uh, uh, commercial audition, and it was for Cinnamon Toast and Crunch. And uh, and I was uh, they they brought us in and they said okay this is what you have to do you have to sing this song and you got to do a little dance and I'm like oh god oh geez okay well I you know what's the dance show me what the dance is and they're like no just whatever you want to come up with and I'm like oh man I can't okay all right and you know there's no place to rehearse you know you're out there with the other actors and nobody's gonna be dancing around the waiting room and. But you have to let you have to. This song going on in your head, and I still remember it. It's uh, I sprinkle it light, like, I sprinkle it right, I sprinkle great taste in every bite of cinnamon toast crunch. And so, Michael Brainerd, come on in. It's your turn to audition. I walk in the door, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, this one's not for me. And I turn around, I walk out, I close the door, and I walk past. And I turned to the guy who's the only guy waiting there, and I turned to him and I said, good luck, and it was Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> I was too
1: good for cinnamon toast. <laughs> Johnny Depp wasn't. <laughs> That's hilarious. So in the supermarket, when you walk past the cereal aisle, do you still get a, a twinge of regret? Mm, yeah, I guess I <laughs> So if if my math is right, we're talking about maybe six or seven years between you graduating high school and getting all my children. Yeah. yeah those? You know,
2: I I would I would go in and out of 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 um, being bored with driving up to Hollywood and auditioning and uh, you know life would take over and you'd do other things and then I would get another agent and and then then 1988 or 87 or 88 I think it was. Um, I really got focused, and I got a new agent. And right before that, I did an episode of my this agent got me this episode of a thing called uh, Superior Court, (laughs) which was a daytime show, but it was a stupid Superior Uh Court kind of thing. And I did Uh those. And then two weeks later, I got a a phone call to uh, audition for all my children and. And I went down to ABC Prospect here Where they shoot uh, General, General Hospital And uh, I think Grey's Anatomy done there as well And I auditioned and I did well I got a call back, I auditioned for that And then they called me back in to do a screen test And I did that And then they said, okay, you know You and this other guy are going to fly out to New York And oh, wow. do for the screen test in New York Yeah, that was huge So I went there And it was for the part of David Paul. And uh, uh, so I, I auditioned for David Ron Paul. I really wanted it. I really wanted that role really bad. And uh, and I thought I did well. And uh, flew back home. My agent called me, and he said, I got good news and bad news. Okay. He says, well, you didn't get the part of David Ron Paul. I
0: said, oh, damn.
2: And, and he says, but they're going to give you this other part for you. They're going to create a part for you, um, Joey Martin. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they said it's, uh, um, you know, part of the the Martin clan, one of the, the original families of the mm-hmm. show, and it's much better than David Ron Paul in that regard because you'll probably last longer. And, it's still that and you're sitting there
1: going, "But I want David Ron Paul."
2: That's right. I was still hurt.
0: <laughs> I
1: was
2: destroyed. <laughs> so, so they, they, you know, I accepted, and they flew me out for the Thanksgiving show that year, and I did. Uh, one episode, I think 1988 was the year for that show. Uh-huh. And then three months later, I moved back to New
1: York and started as Joey Martin. Excellent. Yeah. And had you ever been to New York before that? No. No. So it must have been complete culture shock. I mean, it must have just been.
2: Absolutely. It absolutely <laughs> was. You know, it was. It it it, it was magical though. So, you know, at the same time, you know, I was 23. Yeah. You said I was 24. I was actually. I was
1: okay. Okay.
2: And uh, and it was I was by myself. That I hardly even remember any of the screen test time that I was there for just a couple of days. I remember the hotel I was at, the St. Moritz, and uh, I remember walking around Central Park and getting some pizza, which was unbelievable. <laughs> I had never had anything like that. Wow! Seriously, the food
1: was just ridiculous, <laughs> so good. And um, and probably not terribly expensive back then.
2: Well, it was still expensive compared to L.A. I mean, it's going to be more expensive than anywhere else, you know. Yeah.
1: uh,
2: But, yeah, you know, I could go talk. Sound like my grandpa back then. A Hershey bar was five cents. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, that first year was was pretty rough on me in, in, in New York because I didn't work that much. And you get paid by the episode. You shoot an episode a day. every two also a very good one
1: yeah and a heavy story
2: yeah yeah family yeah. and and all that yeah mm-hmm. really
1: classical.
0: so yeah, good.
1: my sense was that, that New York City may not have been the place for you but but hearing you tell the story now maybe it was
2: um yeah both I could say both yeah you know? I mean my family's here and I love my family and all my friends yeah. are here and, and all that though I did make new friends uh, being away from your family is mm-hmm. like that at that age. It was um, it was different? It was hard.
1: Uh, I couldn't <laughs> fly home every weekend. I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> were they supportive of you? Oh yeah, they still are. Especially during during this slow period when you know you're four thousand miles away and and you know things are kind of slow. Were they Were they supportive of you, or were they getting a little antsy for you? Oh,
2: I you know I didn't no. They I didn't I didn't. Tell them I didn't give them anything to worry about, you know.
1: Yeah. You no,
2: know, I was just telling them I wasn't doing anything but having fun. Yeah. But you know, your family goes through things. People. Yeah. People pass away. Mhm. You know, uh, divorces, marriages, and babies are born. Things happen, and you're away from all of that, and it's uh, it's very hard. So when I got Santa Barbara and I was able to
1: do all of that back here
2: in my hometown, it was a blessing.
1: Yeah. You know, even if nothing significant really happens, life does go on nonetheless. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of it, it, – I, I mean, I live about 500 miles away from my mother, and I go home twice a year. And, you know, even though we always joke that nothing really happens because we're the most boring people on the planet, you know, life does pass in those six months between visits. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to stay in the loop even, you know, yeah. even it's if fair, you are in close contact, it? it's kind of hard to stay totally in the loop.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. who were you close with in the in the uh all my children cast?
0: Uh, still
2: to this day I mean uh, uh
1: Well, uh, yeah, still or or back then? Both.
2: Back then. Well, pretty much I'm still close with the same people, uh, but uh, my really good friend from all my children days was um James Patrick Stewart who played okay. Will. Okay.
0: Mhm.
2: And uh we were inseparable then. You know, we were kind of in the same boat. He was from California as well. And we were kind of each other's family at that time. We did, we did a lot of stuff together. Uh, Matt Servito was another one, and he played Trask Bode. Mm-hmm. He, he was on for an even shorter time. But he's the soup guy now. You know, the Campbell soup guy. Where he comes <laughs> in with a big thing of soup, and the guy takes yes. it. Yes. What is this? And he says, Yes, that's soup. Yeah, that's Matt. <laughs> And Matt just got voted in on the board of the Screen Actors Guild in New York.
1: Oh, wow, excellent.
2: So that was a very huge accomplishment Excellent.
1: Him. Yeah.
2: But every now and then I'll talk to Walt Willey. Uh, he has a place in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and a beautiful place. And uh, I love going out there wow. to Santa Fe every now and then. And uh, Well, uh, James Kybert. James yes.
1: Has- Do we know what he's up to these days? He's, he's kind of fallen off the map of
2: late. I yeah yeah he uh, he does a lot of theater he uh, he goes back and forth between Los Angeles and New York he uh, has a beautiful house there in New York and he uh, uh, he's an artist you know he's a mm-hmm. he's a listed artist and he's an amazing artist fantastic so
1: and one hell of an actor yeah
2: yeah he is he really yeah. is he's a very strong actor yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know they they played him they played him somewhat buffoonishly on All My Children but. But uh, he, when they give it, when they gave him something kind of weighty to do, he really sold it. Oh yeah.
2: Well, they do that with all the men. <laughs> <laughs> and it's well, you know, it's uh, women or is the demographic? Uh, yeah, it's true. It's, so the women are the heroes. The women are the, the strong characters and the heroes, and, and it's uh, just the way it is. And he he just made a go with that character though, and,
1: yeah. and he knew how
2: to play it. He, yeah. You know.
1: Well, I mean, look at somebody like Michael Knight. I mean, they they played him as a clown too, and you know, I mean, what a skilled dramatic actor he is when yeah. they, when they give him something to do.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He, well, he's yeah. very funny too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's, he and
2: David Canary, I think, are the the only two really strong guys that they've always allowed to be strong.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, Walt is at times as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how about? Um, um Liz Vasi, are you still in touch with her? She played your your scene partner for uh yeah. much of your run on the show.
2: Yeah, not so much, you know. I see her um uh, every now and then, but uh yeah, not really. Yeah. She's a good actor. She's got a great career.
1: Yeah. You know, she pops up all the time in episodics. You'll be watching a show and 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 yeah. you'll think I recognize her and then you'll you it'll dawn on you who it is and and Yeah. She it, it seems like she's popping up all the time. It's it's really great. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Really good for her. She's good. You were also on the show with a with an idol to be named Maurice Bernard. Did you did you yeah. work? Or, were you around him at all? Did you interact oh, with him a like? lot? Quite a bit,
2: quite a bit. Yeah, because he lived in Bayonne, New Jersey, which was near um, close to where I was living in in Jersey City. And uh, yeah, I'd see him all the time, two three times a week. I'd be over his place. And,
1: did he have that star quality even then?
2: Um. The camera talk about the camera loving somebody mm-hmm. you know, and he 's a terrific actor mm-hmm. um, but you know where do you ever see him out and about i mean he 's not a star i mean he, he 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 can easily play that he can play that up and go and do the publicity thing but but he's a very private guy you know yeah and he's
0: uh
2: he is a an actor mm-hmm. through and through you know, he's a skilled actor. And you know that's all he uses this yeah. for. You know, it's a it's a job, it's a career, and it's an art for him.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I remember right. shortly my after age he age? left, all my children he he um played uh, Desi Arnaz in, in a TV movie about Desi yeah. and Lucy, and oh, blew it out of the water. I mean, he was amazing.
2: Yeah, he was also in Ruby, that movie Ruby with uh, um, Danny Aiello played. James oh, okay.
1: Mhm.
2: Yeah. And uh yeah, he did. He he was uh what uh in between soap jobs for about a year and a half or two years or something. and something and that Sonny Corleone. Sonny Corleone. <laughs> what are, Sonny what's his name? I don't Corinthos. yeah. Yeah. He uh came along and he was just just fit like a hand in a glove. So, <laughs> very good actor. And yeah. uh, you know, there are people that you see on on the soaps like that that you know that could easily have just as
1: bright a film
2: career or a nighttime television career, and they you know they stay in in soaps. There's something about it they enjoy. Yeah. Peter Bergman's another one that I worked with that is like that as well. It's very star quality to him. Yeah.
1: You know, I, it's I, I think it takes a special kind of actor to adapt to. The kind of work that gets done in daytime, and and uh, I, I just I, I you know I have no experience with it, obviously, but but I would imagine that once you get used to the grind of it, it would be kind of hard to to go to a regular movie set or a regular TV set. Once you get used to just getting on your feet and and going, I would imagine it it, it would be hard to backpedal. That's just a yeah. that's just a guess, but
2: it's. it's uh... It's such a challenge, you know, to get 25 pages of dialogue in a in a day and memorize it the night before and go in and, and do it, uh, and and to be creative, you know, to be mm-hmm. to 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 memorize it so well that you're able to um, to listen to the other person uh-huh. talking to you, you know, to
1: think. and not just regurgitate it, but actually bring it to life. Right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And they, you get so good at it. Yeah. I. I
2: I craved that when I was doing it. And, uh, yeah, you know, plus, of course, you know, when you're going to quit one thing, you know, you're going to, a for every actor in between jobs, there's a waiting period. In.
0: You know, that waiting period could last,
2: uh-huh. you know, in theory, it could last 80 years if it wanted to. You don't know. There's nothing guaranteed where your next exactly. job is coming from. So it's kind of hard to um, to give up that that security.
1: And thousands of other people going through that same waiting period.
2: Yeah,
1: oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any regrets about the AMC experience? Anything you would do differently?
2: Uh, I would be more um, more grateful. I was young, you know. Yeah. I felt I deserved it, I think, in some way. <laughs> it was just silly and stupid, but I'm young, and <laughs> and I behave that way, I think, sometimes. Yeah you know. Uh, they, were, there, were there
1: people around you trying to advise you to, to turn it down a bit, or?
2: No. Uh, aside from producers, no. <laughs> 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 I, no, I didn't, uh, yeah, it, it was.
1: Even even if they would have dumb. told you, would you have listened?
2: I think so, if they would have said, well, you know, your job's in jeopardy, but, yeah. uh, I, I was just young, you know, and, and I've always had the uh, the ability to uh, just uh, say whatever comes to my mind, <laughs> which is uh, uh, sometimes a curse.
1: Yeah, it doesn't always work to your benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Think first. Yeah. <laughs> so if I recall correctly, there wasn't much of a gap between all my children and, and Santa Barbara. Yeah, that's about six weeks. Did you know immediately when you were let go from all my children that you wanted to go back west, or was it kind of a move of necessity?
2: No, I knew. I knew. I uh, okay. I, was, I, was, I couldn't wait. Uh, you know, I came back. Yeah. And that was uh, actually before that, before I auditioned for Santa Barbara, I, I had an audition with The Young and the Restless, and uh, they were pretty excited to have me in there to audition, and my heart wasn't in it. I, I really wanted to do, you know, film and nighttime television and move on and try some other things and uh and i i kind of looked that way when i walked into the audition and uh when i finished the casting director called my agent and said you know why are you sending me people who don't want to come you know to to be here and my agent called me and he was pretty upset and i said you know you're right you're absolutely right. I, I, I probably just should have turned it down and, and then show up and waste anybody's time. Uh, and he said, yeah. well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this again? Or do you, you want to do other things? You know, I'm I'm your agent, and I, I think I know what's good for you, but we need to be on the same page. You know? mm-hmm. And I said, right there, I said, yeah, you know, you're right. I think I, I have some stuff left to, some things left to accomplish that I didn't think I was able to. That I, was, that I did on all my children. Uh, I told them, I said, if you can give me another soap job, I'd be happy to do it. I'd be proud to do it. And, and I will, you know, work my butt off for you like that. And a couple days later, you know, I auditioned for Santa Barbara. and,
1: and well, about, The rest like? is history, yeah? Yeah, the rest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... Uh, after after the rough experience you had on All My Children, what was it about Santa Barbara and what they had to offer that was different enough to make you think that, that it would be a better experience?
0: Well, or was I, it just
1: the fact that, that you pledged to do this and, and you were going to honor it?
2: There was that, but uh, there, was, uh, there was a lot less stress on the Santa Barbara set than there was on the All My Children set. And I think it's just the energy of New York and the energy of Los Angeles. Um, you know, when when guys are working, uh, you know, I'm talking about cameramen and, and uh, set dressers and people behind the set, behind the scenes, you know, they have to be there from 6 in the morning to 6 at night. Yeah. And actors, you know, they don't have to be there that long. And you certainly don't have to be there every single day, like I was, you know. I wasn't there every day. Yeah. Some actors are. If you're Susan Lucifer, Michael Knight, yeah, okay, you're mm-hmm. going to be there five days a week. But uh, for what I was doing, I wasn't. But these people are.
1: They work a lot harder
2: than any mm-hmm. of the actors,
1: and um, and get so, very little of the glory. Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. yeah they do. That's right. Yeah. And and if um, and if they miss their train at six thirty <laughs> p.m., then they cannot, you know, get another train until an hour, or two hours later. And you know you think about that you're 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 taking the train back to long island to your family and an hour means a lot at that time of night to spend with your family and so you know it would get down to crunch time it'd be about 5:30, and i would drop a line you know and people would break pencils and uh you know, flip over their heads and you know screaming and yelling and it was stressful it was i really was trying i was trying hard but you know that pressure would get to you sometimes yeah that's just one example, you know. And in L.A., it was, I don't know, it was just a lot, a lot less stress. It wasn't any of that. Nobody had a train to catch, you
1: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's, thats it's funny to hear that, to hear you say that, because I think almost from your entire tenure on Santa Barbara, there was always the threat of cancellation, and, and you would think that would make for a tense set. Yeah, no. No, I mean, it's,
2: it wasn't really our um, our fault. The, act, yeah. it's the actor's fault, you know. If the, yeah. the show's going to go off the air, I don't think you know. It's you know, there's a, a
1: lot more because think about
2: who was on that show at the time. You
1: know? Oh, good lord! Jack, Jack
2: Wagner. Was on
1: in the that actor. in that final year, Paul Roush assembled you a dream cast. I mean, a dream yeah. cast.
2: Right, right, and and so I think it was you know it was going to be canceled anyways. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're up against some big big. Heavy hitters. There's other soaps that have a huge audience, and back then, what were they pulling in—eight to ten million viewers a day, or more? You know?
1: And, uh, it, yeah. yeah. That, that's the funny thing. Santa Barbara's ratings back then are pretty comparable to Young and the Restless's ratings now, and they're number one. So well,
2: it's, and, and and even Young and the Restless's ratings has taken a hit. You know, from the yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the big, you know, the big problem. You know, cable comes around, and you have a lot of. Other shows to watch. There's a lot more things to do and so nobody watches as much anymore. But it was hard for it's hard for any fledgling soap opera to get going. No no fledgling soap opera has what's the last one? what's the youngest soap opera on the air still right now? You know?
1: I I would I think it's bold and beautiful and they debuted in nineteen eighty seven, so
2: Yeah. Right, I mean well, you're right talking about
1: twenty two years for the youngest. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. But that's uh
1: an and they just got lucky because they were a bell show and they were hammocked in between you know two popular CBS shows so yeah i mean they they had a really good show but they also got uh uh the luck of the draw in terms of time slot and and you know being sandwiched in between a lineup right that you know you guys on NBC never really had that right. never really and had it, that um and that fortune at the same
2: time you know Santa Barbara was not a traditional you know, soap opera. Absolutely. So, like Passions was, you know, Passions was really crazy. Um uh, but it was you know, it probably you know, was was fashioned in a way after Santa Barbara was because they would do different things. Things mm-hmm. that isn't that aren't normally done on soap operas. Uh, mhm. You know,
1: probably
2: led to their demise because of it. But you know, Santa Barbara would have been great on nighttime. Would have been a great like a dynasty or a Dallas or whatever.
1: I totally agree with you because the dialogue had a different timbre to it, the the look of the actors was different. The you know it was just a it was it was a very offbeat show and it was it was I, I, especially day, television in general, but daytime especially kind of thrives on familiarity and and uh, uh, comfort and yeah. Santa Barbara was neither of those things. Yeah. yeah, 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 and you know I I
2: also really learned. Um... From the over from all my children to Santa Barbara, I really learned to create. You know, I was—I thought I was doing something on all my children, and I was, you know. But my choices were always really small. Um, what I mean by that is that
0: uh,
2: uh, I was trying to give a very, very small performance—a a film performance, if you will. You know, like a stage performance—you're performing to the back of the room, and a film performance—you're filming to. you know just a a lens right in front of yeah Um, on soap operas you know the cameras are far enough away where you can actually do a little bit of both and i was doing on all my children i was trying to do a film performance because i was learning about it i wanted to be a film actor so i'm trying to to become a craftsman if you will at it and uh and then I sort of learned that, you know, I could do other things. I really can show my personality a little bit more, uh, or a personality of the character if I wanted to. So let's start thinking out of the box here. You know, this is not just memorize lines, but let's, what else can we do? Yeah. Actually, you know, was a very good uh, example of that for me was James Kybert. You know, what he did with that character of Trevor, mm-hmm. He, you know, he went, he he shopped for his clothes. You know, he went to <laughs> thrift stores and bought all those crazy ties and all that. Yes. That had an effect on me. You know. The
1: funky jackets and the yeah. Yeah, I didn't do
2: that. I didn't <laughs> do that. But I I did take the um the uh, the costumer out, the head of the costume department out to shop for me. Of Santa Barbara. Her. That's right. I went yeah. with her, and we did. So I was more in charge of. My character, I, I I tried to I pushed the envelope as much as I could there, with um, deciding about you know who this guy was and what he looked like and and, and all of that as much as they would
1: you know allow tolerate I guess <laughs> yeah. You know, because you, know, you can't write your own stop, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> That'll let the writers have their creative space. Too. Yeah. But you know, you make a good point about that because when, when Todd McKee played Ted back in the early early days of Santa Barbara, he was always dressed in very I don't know what maybe preppy type, you know, yeah. very very conservative, very upper class clothing, and, and you yeah. really didn't have that when you took over. And that's it's,
2: right. It's, that, that is, that's not true. I did have that when I just started. Okay, and so I but it, immediately we went out and we turned this guy into you know
1: Mr. Sexy guy <laughs> which
2: uh, was the only time in my life I was
1: able to play able to play that <laughs> It's great that you say that though because you know whereas whereas Joey was kind of a goofy boy, yeah. you know, Ted came on as a sophisticated man, and yeah. you you played him with just enough kind of raw nerve sexuality to make everybody sit up and take notice um. Was that was that a conscious choice on your part, or was that in yeah. the writing all along? It was.
2: It was. Um, it was a conscious choice of mine. And well, you know, I mean, it, he was. He was already bent that way. The way they were bringing him back. He's. He was a uh, geologist. Uh, studied earthquakes and was uh, hunting for oil across the world. And you know, so he was a bit of a rogue. So it was already kind of there. Uh, they didn't know exactly what storyline. They were going to to do for Ted, yeah, just to bring him back. They just wanted to bring him back, yeah, part family again. And so, you know, a little bit of both. You know, you do something, and then the writers take notice, and they say, okay, yeah, all right, that gives me an idea, and I can, you know, pretty soon I was doing cool stuff on that show.
1: Boy, I th- you you had some great stuff to do on that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, talk talk about Paul Rush.
0: We was
1: he were you very close with him? Was he very was he a very hands on producer?
2: Um, as close as I could get, you know, I tried. I really yeah. tried. Um, yeah, he was a hands on producer, absolutely. He's he's uh he runs a tight ship.
1: hmm
2: You know, he he's producing Young and Russells now. Yes, he is. Yeah. So he just took that job on. And uh, you know, he's got a reputation for being um He's a character. He's an absolute character. You know, he's like, jeez, uh, uh, what's the character from Mutiny on the Bounty? What's his name? The Captain. Captain, I can't even remember. Captain and, Bly? Yeah, Captain Black. That's exactly what you means but Captain Bly. <laughs> you know, and you try to, if you're, you know, you're funny enough, if you got a little bit of wit, you know, you try to poke him in the ribs now and then, but he'll have none of that, you know? <laughs> and, so, yeah, I tried. I would go into his office uh, and sit with him and, and chat every now and again, and he would just stare at me like, what the hell? <laughs> You know? And I was just trying to, I wasn't trying to butter him up for anything. <laughs> I to be a good employee, I guess, you know?
1: And did you ever want to see him without a cigar in his mouth?
2: was a cigarette smoker. Actually, he had Actually quit. <laughs> okay. They quit drinking, too, right before that. Okay. So, uh, but no, 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 maybe he was. I, I, I remember him smoking, but not cigars.
1: Okay. Yeah. But he was,
2: he's pretty uh, famous, he's a
1: pretty famous cigar smoker these days, so. Is he? Yeah. Yeah,
2: okay, I can see
1: that. <laughs> I think it's just for looks. <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of create an in, an area an of intimidation and. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So, but I liked him. I had uh, your former on-screen brother Gordon Thompson on my show a couple weeks ago and and he had some pretty choice words to say about him good and bad it was it was um it was pretty funny listening to his recollections of the show in that time
2: Yeah yeah I would imagine so I would have, you know I
1: Paul he was you know but of course what was I, I was
2: like 26 yeah I was about 26 years old at that time 26 27
1: and on your second job i mean my god yeah. yeah yeah that's
2: that's true and but i was i you know i wasn't afraid to talk to him and i wasn't afraid to question him and, and i wasn't afraid in any way in that regard and i think some actors around there were kind of afraid of him now, all the girls weren't afraid of him they all just most girls who make it onto a soap opera, they're big flirts anyway, and so you know he just loved that. <laughs> but, uh, but some there are some guys that were just you know oh intimidated for
1: the, wow. the
2: nines by him, especially the directors. <laughs> but uh, but he's got yeah he's got a reputation for being a curmudgeon and being but I think it's a put on. That's all.
1: <laughs> he's a big but teddy bear per- at heart. A big percentage of that is definitely a put on. Okay. So. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny what you said about the girls, because you said earlier that that uh, it's it's a female-driven medium. So I would imagine that I would imagine that to some extent, all the guys on a soap set are kind of um, maybe intimidated a little bit, re- regardless of who the producer is, just because it is such a female-driven medium.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, is that fair? they want more. Yeah, they definitely want more. They want stronger characters. You're always fighting for, if you're, you know, for these things for your character, and, and um, nine times out of ten you'll lose out to um, uh, somebody else's idea, yeah. uh, a director's idea of your character, uh, another actress's idea. If that actress is really popular, you know. I remember what was it on All My Children? Uh, what was it, One of these I'm not even gonna name names. But it, was, it was an actor, and he he had. Uh, a skiing accident offset or it was he had an operation on his hand or something and he had to have his hand in a cast and uh mm. and he went into the producer and he said, Look, you know, I got this thing And they said, Okay, that's too bad. We'll write it into the show And he goes, Okay, well how are you gonna do that? And they say, Well we'll just say you slammed your, your, your hand in the car door <laughs> And he's like, "What? That's crazy! Why don't we just say, you know, it was in a, a racing car accident because I'm a race car driver? Why? Why can't we just say that?"
0: Mm, no, let's say you slammed your hand
2: in the race car door. How about that? You know?
0: I that's so stupid. But that's
2: what they do, you know? They they need
1: to keep the women strong, and you know, that's how Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so talk about. on the air, man. Hey, you know, it, it it there's certainly something to it. I mean, look at something like Guiding Light's been on the air for seventy two years now. So, I mean, yeah. you know, somebody's doing something right.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Talk about the family you were surrounded with on Santa Barbara. You had uh, Jed Allen and Judith McConnell. Yeah. Two of the finest actors to ever grace television. You are so nice. <laughs> tell you what, I hope they're listening. Uh, yeah. Me too.
2: I did. Yeah, I you know actually. uh Jed Allen's son was auditioning for the part of Ted as well, wow he screen tested too, and I got the part but jed was nothing but you know his old gregarious self he's a he's a he's a nice guy and always you know helpful he's very paternal, of course, you know he's the big daddy on the set uh-huh and uh and a pro and Judith was uh you know uh, just you know, sweet as can be, and always fun to do scenes with her. She had a really good relationship with um, Todd McKee. Mm-hmm. Who Ted yeah, I
1: was going to ask you that. Did, did did they bring you in with open arms, considering how close they were with? Because uh, you know they started the show with Todd, and so I would imagine yeah. that they built a pretty close bond as well. So they talked about
2: it. They talked to me about yeah. that. You know, I mean, those are, you have to go. I have, I would be stupid not to listen to that stuff. They had established relationships between these characters. And uh, and so, yeah, we certainly talked about all of that. And she would say, well, we were like this. And uh, um, uh, and we, I think I picked up where he left off pretty well with that kind of stuff, uh, uh, with the relationship between, to, between uh, Ted and, and Sophia.
1: And I loved having those
2: scenes with her. You know, I go back and look at those sometimes because mm-hmm. I have every single one of them taped, you know. My, my mom, she had a satellite dish at the time, <laughs> and she taped them all. They're all like little high eight videotapes. But I have them all, and of all of my scenes, so all Excellent. my the days that I was on. So, but I I do go back and see that stuff. sometimes. Wow,
1: and can you can you hardly imagine that it's? I mean, it it must feel like it's a whole other person.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, it was so much easier to you know. Keep trim back then, you know now I'm looking down at my belly it's, you know, hanging over my belt line a little bit, and you know my chin is uh you know it can double up sometimes, especially around the holidays and uh, <laughs> you know it seemed to be so much easier when it was when I was that age to you know, <laughs> to look camera ready, yep <laughs> <laughs> and but, still have uh, fun. I tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. When I finished uh, Santa Barbara when it was canceled, I took some time off uh, from acting, and uh, and it was because I didn't think I was ready. I didn't think I was ready for for f- a film career. Or I wanted to be a better actor, and I wanted to know how to do that. And so I I traveled and I did some things to sort of learn about the the world. I became anonymous again. I grew a beard, and shaved my head. And, Immediately, nobody knew who I was, and that was great. And I took my place in the world again, and uh, and it was all mostly because I didn't think I was ready. And I look back at those that stuff that I did then, and that's some of the best stuff I ever done. You know, and I'm 43 now, yeah, and I'm like, geez, I was ready. What a knucklehead!
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you you know what? I, I can kind of see where you're coming from because, as we were talking about earlier. You had you had a dream cast to bounce off of, and I, I could imagine you being so young and looking at some of these people you were working with and just going, Jesus.
2: No, I was better than all them. <laughs> 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 no, you're right. You know, look. You know, doing the scene with like uh, Jack Wagner. Jack Wagner is one of the funniest people in the world. I swear, yeah. he is just—he's a riot, and when he's on set he's so quick-witted um that if you try to keep up with him he's <laughs> quick-witted as well he'll you know remind you that you're not as quick-witted as he and this is why and he'll give you five reasons and make you feel stupid <laughs> and but he's that way when he does com- comedic scenes as well Uh he's, he 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 overthinks the whole thing and uh until he gets it, it right and when we did some you know, comedic scenes is I would have to save what I was gonna do for the scene. I wouldn't tell him what I was gonna do. You know, I would be monotone through all the rehearsals and then what yeah. we do the scene. Yeah. And then he'd be just he just like you were you you little scumbag, why did you you know? And and it's because if I if I were to do the stuff that I was going to do earlier, well he'd counter it in some way. He would do something and have uh-huh. something for it by the time we got to to filming it so uh-huh. I would You would hold it back. And we would have a blast. And it was unfortunate we didn't get much to do together. But, you know. There were those scenes with, um, what was it, me and Katrina and I? No, no. No, it was with uh, uh, Nina Arvison. uh, Uh Uh-huh. Played, uh, what's her name?
1: Angela. Angela. It was Angela and I and
2: Katrina. And and I can't even remember. I can't even remember the scenes. We did a bunch of stuff together for about a week or two
0: and god it was fun.
1: Yeah. You know, at one point on the show you had three women battling for your affections. You had Lily and you had Katrina and you had Angela. Uh, yeah. w- w- you must have been in hog heaven. It was hard because, you know, <laughs> I never had anything
2: like that happen to to me in my life. I had nothing to draw on, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: and and here you were coming from a show where you were stuck in a very saccharine, very kind of vanilla teeny bopper thing. Yeah. Uh, Aside from the fact that your young wife, you know, went apeshit and tried to stab you to death, but but other than that, it was a very saccharine, very cute little innocent thing. And now here you are, all of a sudden, uh, literally fighting off women with a a stick. I know being handcuffed to bed,
2: (laughs) to a bed in my polka dotted underwear, falling into jacuzzis with women, and yeah. I remember one scene it's like we were. I was in bed with Angela, and uh, the covers were over us. and I, and it says Ted is moaning. That's what it said in the script. Ted is moaning. And then Angela says something. It says Ted moans even louder. And I start doing this moaning and I'm moaning <laughs> and I'm moaning. Oh, oh yeah. I flip the covers off me. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody does this. <laughs> Not well. You know. You know people moan, but yeah. you know, they don't <laughs> moan like I was moaning in that that, that day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you love working with Nina?
2: Yeah, oh yeah, man. Those what a woman! Were great, those scenes were terrific. Yeah, those, those were that was some of the best writing that I've ever had on Santa Barbara.
1: What, was it always the plan to put them together, or, or did they did they kind of see what they no, had on screen and I just?
2: Remember, who I was supposed to be paired up with first was. You Terry help. Garber, right? Terry Garber. Yeah. They were starting to put me through uh, together with Terry Garber, and then mm-hmm. she left the show. And those scenes were really coming
1: along, you know? Mm-hmm. Had and she guy, was great. Terry Garber, just a few years
2: older than me. And, yeah, she was. She
1: was and talk great. about i did, did you know her from north and south? I mean...
2: Uh, no, no, I didn't okay. see that, but,
1: but okay. no, I knew she had a pedigree. Absolutely. What an actress. Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh and those were just so much fun and and then when she left I was really bummed. Uh, but I still had stuff to do with Lily, that was a lot of fun too. And then then they moved me in with uh with uh Angela and uh <laughs> those things were just they were ridiculous. Was, wow. Yeah, great writing.
1: And so it was kind of a happy accident that Yeah. Thing.
2: Yeah. It was. You don't know who's gonna have chemistry. You know exactly on, and on camera and and for some reason, she and I had it,
1: and you can't plan for it, and every time you do, it'll backfire, yeah, that's right,
2: yeah. absolutely right. It always sneaks up on you, mhm
1: surprise
2: yeah. yeah,
1: so how was the morale on the set as as um you know it it got closer and closer, and n b c was kind of playing its hand continually in the press, and uh it, could you feel that the end was coming, or was it a, was it a big shock to you guys when when the when the axe finally fell?
2: It, it,
1: we
0: had
2: a couple of stays of ex- execution when I was there. I think every six months we would get, oh, we're going to go more. We're going to we got six more months, and and so it was kind of like when when the the final axe came. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock because we thought it was just going to. They were just going to keep going. Yeah. And you were hearing rumors about. No, they're not going to cancel. Why would they cancel it? The show it's up and running. It's in, it's got an audience. And just let's give it some time. And then you would hear, oh, but nobody's watching. And got these other shows that are going to come in and play in its place. And we're going to rent the studio and and all of that. And uh, so when it yeah you know, when it happened, it was it was very disappointing. You know because you know that cast is never going to work together again. Mm-hmm. You know. All that, all those people, all the people behind the scenes—you know—they're never going to be in the same building together again. So there's some
1: sadness. You know, you have friends. You make friends. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you the- know, I
1: was—I was—I was telling Gordon the other day. It's—you know—I don't think I've ever seen a cast of actors work harder in—in—in in, uh, in, um, pursuit of saving uh, a show like you guys worked in the final year. I mean, it seemed like you all kind of banded together in the trenches and just acted your hearts out trying to make it work. Yep, yep,
2: yeah. but Nobody watched that show. It's unfortunate.
1: You were the only one, I
2: think. I, I, you know what? I refuse to believe that. I absolutely refuse it. <laughs> when I was on that show, when I was on the, in the, you know, I was on that show for 18 months, I think, and for that whole entire 18 months, uh, I would get noticed uh, on the street. You know, oh my God, you're uh,
1: you're Joey Martin, aren't you? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, don't you watch Santa Barbara? I'm on Santa Barbara now. No, what what is that? What, You're that? joking. No, no.
1: Was, you
2: know, it's regional. Uh, different regions of the of the country will watch different soap operas. Like the South was like a, a big CBS uh, uh, enclave. And then like up around Chicago, it was ABC. New York was ABC. NBC was mm-hmm. the Northwest. It was weird like that. Mm-hmm. And especially like that uh, for Santa Barbara around the world. As well, you know, Italy, huge Pop- mm-hmm. in popularity.
1: Germany and France. Yeah, France as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I still get um, you know emails through my website from people around the world like that. Wow. And they still love the show. And it's too bad. I mean, that's it's it's a great brand name. They can come back. They can mm-hmm. make a movie. They can make a nighttime television show. Why not?
1: You bet. You know, I always kind of thought that that Santa Barbara's enormous popularity overseas would would end up being the factor that saved the show. But but if you if you believe some of the stories they got told after it was canceled, it might have been the nail in its coffin, simply because NBC didn't own the show. Oh, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, you're right. I have a feeling if NBC owned the show, it would still be on the air today. I never thought of that.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so because they, the NBC or ABC, they don't market their shows like overseas. You know, I mean, they try. I know that
0: n- nobody <laughs> in the rest
2: of the world will watch all my children because they think it's
1: boring. <laughs> you know, Santa Barbara was exciting. It was like, <laughs> because it was different and it, it it popped off the screen. I mean, it was just it was it was it 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 transcended the mere soap label to me to my eye. Yeah. Yeah. So, when when you're when you're on the set with all these marvelous actors, and you've got people like Kim Zimmer and A Martinez and Eileen Davidson and Jack Wagner, as you said, and Gordon Thompson, I mean, do you are are you still kind of in your old mentality, or or have you matured enough by this time to to really kind of watch these people and soak it all in?
2: Well, I well, I don't understand your question.
1: Um. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you were saying in your All My Children days, you were kind of brash and a little bit cocky. Yeah. Um, on on the Santa Barbara set, working with the actors that you were working with, and kind of watching the actors around you, were you still kind of in that mindset a little bit, or had well, you? I, I think this is what
2: happened. Um, on all my children, when I when I first came in, I was extremely intimidated, and it took me a long time to to break out of that. And I think it also fed into that belief of, of smaller choices, and you know, try to fit in and and not and I didn't you know I wanted to stand out but I wanted to stand out sort of to myself I wanted to be proud of the work that I was doing Um, but I I was really you know Susan oh my god there goes Susan Lucci you know it was the first big job and those these people these icons were around Uh so
1: David Canary as you said that's right yeah
2: who you know oh my god he was he was candy on Bonanza
0: (laughs) and that's all I think about him oh my god (laughs) That's Candy. He's
2: called Candy. There he is. There he is again. Candy. He looks the same. You know?
0: <laughs>
2: and so when I, uh, when I got to Santa Barbara, I felt like I deserved to be there. I, I behaved that way. and you know? uh-huh. I, I felt like I deserved to be there uh, professionally as an actor. As, as a, a peer. celebrity as an actor. And a peer, that's exactly right. And um, and it made me make the choices that um, belonged on on the same playing field as I did, you know.
1: And I, I, I wanted to play up to the competition,
2: you know, so to speak.
1: And I think I did. Wow. I, I, you get no argument from me. I, I was I was riveted by you from the minute. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were really amazing. I, and as I said, you know, that entire cast. I've never seen a cast of actors work so hard in pursuit of one single goal, and yeah. you know it's it's a shame that kind of forces outside of completely outside of your control brought it down. Because yeah. you know it it would have been it would have been the the story of all time if if it had actually worked. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It would have.
1: So the resume on your website lists quite a few stage credits after after you ended your your soap gig. Yeah. Um. Even though you've achieved pretty much enviable success on television and film, do you prefer the immediacy of stage or or do they do different things to different sides of your creative psyche?
2: Yeah, they do different things um, it is there's no greater feeling than i mean if you're a performer and you and you you yeah. have to do that uh, be it a stand up comedian or a singer or whatever and, uh it, there's no greater feeling to have an immediate response yeah. uh, from the people that you're telling the story to. Uh, and um, great things happen, really <laughs> crazy things happen on stage, metaphysical things happen on stage, you know, explainable stuff. And, you know, it's a big adventure for me. It's like, you know, climbing a mountain. Have you ever done any rock climbing and you're, you're climbing, uh, you know, 700 foot rock face And you're up there Halfway up the mountain Up the, the rock face And you're like Yeah I'm done I, I, I want to go back down I'm scared And this is dangerous And I just realize This is dangerous uh, And then you realize that There's only one way down And that is To go up first And then go back down you can't go back down Once you're uh-huh. halfway up uh-huh. That's the feeling That I get When I'm on stage is that you know there's the curves yeah. about to lift, and there you are, and you've got two hours ahead of you
1: of this grand
2: ecstatic trance, mm-hmm. and you've got to allow yourself to go into it, yeah, and, and they
1: call it an arc for a reason, yeah uh,
0: yeah
2: sure it's uh it's a um it's a difficult thing you know to memorize all those lines to think about um this This character And where it ha, Where you have to go with it Like on this arc Like you're talking about This emotional roller coaster That you gotta You're You're looking forward uh, To uh, Or not
0: <laughs>
2: But you have to do it And uh, You're standing and, and Before that You're like You know I'd rather just go get a pizza You know I'd rather I'd, I'd rather be in the audience Watching And you know, And then once Once you're on there And you're doing it Um All of that leaves, and uh, you—the stuff comes; the lines come out of your mouth like uh, you don't even know how. And um, by the time you're done, two hours later, it goes in a flash, and the, the, the feeling of accomplishment is ridiculous. You don't get that when you're doing film and television because you have to do this in particles you know Mm -hmm. you're doing a scene here or half a scene here a page Mm -hmm. there or a line here and and then for a film you know a year later maybe two sometimes you finally get to see it (laughs) and then you know if you want to go uh, again after you've seen it once at the premiere where everybody is obligated to tell you you did well (laughs) you're obligated to laugh and, and and say that oh what a great movie. If you feel like you want to go see it again, then you, then you go into the public and you see it and you get to see what an actual audience feels. And, but there's some kind of disconnection to it. But it's a different art form. It's a different, it, it's a different kind of acting. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it takes a lifetime. You get good at it
0: because it
2: takes hold, It really does. You know, you do your work, and then two years later, you get to see what you've done, and then mm-hmm. you get to critique, and you're all oh, no, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. and um, it may or
1: may not look the way you wanted it to look or thought right. it would look when you were doing it.
2: Right, right. Yeah, but well, when you're doing an audience, where well, you can do all that stuff. Oh my God! Tomorrow night, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be like this. Yes. And so, yeah, it's there. Two there. They are two separate things. But I tell you what, I love it because, you know, we need story. We, we need story in our lives. Mm-hmm. And in other cultures, story, stories were told to each other um, as a balm, as a, like an aspirin for a headache, you know, a, mm-hmm. a way to transform. You know, you tell stories to children so that, you know, they can learn. Uh, yeah. Aesop's fables, if you will, whatever, and and it's a way to uh, Jesus taught in parables, for God's sake. How about that?
0: <laughs>
2: you know, because it's it's a great way to cause transformation. You know, and uh, exactly you know, right. I, that's why I do this. That's why I do it. I'm I'm motivated by the next story. What's the next story? Is it yeah. good enough? is it have heart? Exactly. All right, then I'll be involved. And I'll build your set for you. Especially if I can not act in it, I'll build your set for you. You need a director? I can do that too.
1: You need someone to hang your lights?
2: I can't do that, but I know somebody who does, and I'll get him in here. And you know that's what I do now.
1: So. You know, I saw Alfre Woodard on a on an award ceremony years ago, and and she said pretty much exactly that thing. She she said um, that it's basically w- what you're doing when you're telling stories, when you're making films, when you're. Doing whatever creative, it's it's kind of like keeping the lore of the tribe. It's it's documenting the fact that we have been here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I, I I thought that was amazing. Just the the way the the absolutely eloquent way she put that is, and you know the way you just said it is exactly right. It's it's uh it's essential.
2: Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. You know, and, and nowadays, no, fewer people are going to the movies, and it's sad because, you know, you have people like to stay at home and watch their, get their stories at home. And that's fine mm-hmm. as long as they're getting their stories,
0: but there's something
2: about going to the movies, walking into the dark cave with the community and and sitting there together with people you don't even know, but you're, <laughs> you're of the same type of person and in the in same type of
1: place, and, mm-hmm. and, you, and you get your story together.
2: I mean it's something very prehistoric, you know it's ancient
1: and in in this day and age where people can watch movies on their iPods now and their cell phones, it's even more primal to to actually go to a place, lay down some money, you know get the popcorn if you want it, right the lights go down, you're all in this place together, yeah, kind of getting the same information, maybe parsing it differently, but getting the same information together communally, yeah, yeah, popcorn
2: too. Popcorn. Who who eats popcorn anywhere else, right? Popcorn is like uh, communion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So assuming that that in stage work, assuming that audience response is the quickest measure of your performance on stage, Mm -hmm. um, when you're on a TV set or a film set, what's your own personal threshold of quality? How do you know when, when you're doing a good job?
2: Ah, man, there's just too many variables. Um Because you can feel right, you can feel good like you've done something right,
1: yeah, and
2: then you'll be wrong, or your idea of what that right is changes by the time you see it, you know um but I think just as long as you're there for the other person and you're listening for the other person and you're seeing the other actor um that you you're actually in a in a a, a state of concentration where you can listen to them
0: mm-hmm.
2: um uh, that helps them that helps them give a better performance um, uh, if you're doing what the director wants you know, if you're, you're making yourself available to to their vision if they have a good one if they have a bad one then you know, you're up a creek but you know, if you're making yourself available to other artists to, and giving them room to create then I think that's a success you know. also when you've done a scene and uh, the crew reacts reacts as soon as it's done. Yeah. Whether they're laughing or they're emotionally moved, mm-hmm. then you know you've done something right. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. Because they've seen everything, and they just they're checking their watches, and they want to get home.
2: Well, They're people, right? 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. And they're but they're people, you know? Yeah. They're people, and, and regardless of how jaded they are, because they work on
1: a set, <laughs> and if they get moved, then. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I think you did something right.
1: Yeah. Wow. So I know we're running kind of short on time, but I want to ask you uh, uh, quickly about a, a project you did a couple of years ago called American Heiress. Yeah. This was this was one of these kind of Americanized telenovelas that that uh, a network called My Network TV did a couple years ago. Um.
2: Uh,
1: did Did you enjoy? How oh, do yeah. I don't want to ask this? Did Did you en- Did you enjoy that? I mean, it was it was um you know these shows they were marketed so so badly in this yeah. country and you know in, in they say in, in pretty much every other country in the world this kind of television program is the highest rated fare to be found yeah and um you know they tried to do it here and they were marketed so horrendously but yeah. um well
2: there was no money yeah there was no money to market them
1: that's yeah. the reason
2: that they they did it because they were so inexpensive what happened was a, was it the WB Network and Paramount? No, what was the other one there?
1: UPN? UPN. Yeah, they they they, merged, f- they decided to fuse together, yeah. Yeah,
2: creating a vacuum on another station. There was no more content on the station, which was in LA here, it's Channel 13. So, you know, that Channel 13 was like, oh, what are we going to do? we got no content. What are we going to do? So, the producer came forth and said, alright, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to buy up some Telenovelas, and I'm going to translate them. And they said, "Great idea, go do it." And they did it, and they just translated them to English and put them right on. And and the idea was to have these things turn over every three months, and uh, uh, with new ones. And um, they gave it a try, and uh, yeah, they couldn't find an audience. They were they were really bad. You know, I mean, the uh, there was some acting on it, which was terrific, mm-hmm. but uh, this it just for, for all intents and purposes, the, most of the people weren't used to that format. They should have gotten soap actors, basically, because those people. Well, you know. Right uh, barn, uh, uh, nobody's business.
1: Yeah, those shows, those shows were riddled with former soap actors. They weren't. They weren't. They should have 100% more. populated by them, but, but they should have gotten more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I did that, and I had a great time. And unfortunately, my show was uh, the last uh, uh, one before they canceled them all, and they canceled my show. Before yeah, midstream,
1: oh. and that wasn't my fault. Neither yeah. was Santa Barbara. <laughs> fault. So. Just the damn it, luck of the draw. <laughs> that's right. But I had a
2: great time. I definitely had a great time doing those shows. Shot down in San Diego, and man, it was nothing but fun. And
1: they were they were gorgeously shot. I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah, for cool for work. for
1: the for the amount of budget, I mean, they it's it's really quite you know, miraculous what they managed to pull off.
2: You know where they they shot those at the same place where they used to do silk stockings. Remember silk stockings? Yes. Yeah, USA Network. Yeah, that was uh, that was <laughs> where
1: they did the found it, two at Stu Productions. Wow. Yeah. You know w- what you said about about getting soap actors and and um, uh, to, to, uh, doesn't that speak to the talent and the I don't know, the endurance that that, day, that the daytime actors who are worth their salt are blessed with. I mean, it's it's really quite an art form to, to as we said earlier, to, to be able to do that five days a week and uh, without much preparation, without much rehearsal time, just to get up there and do it. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, you know, people, the uh, actors who just start out, it takes them a while to get to know their characters. So that's why, you know, whenever a new actor comes on a soap opera – you got to give them some time to to let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you can see that they're a little off, they're a little different than than the others. Um, but what happens is eventually your your character becomes so close to you that you don't have to make character choices or char- character decisions. They're just there. You just have to memorize the lines and, you know, slip into the space. It's yeah. uh, uh because once you're playing a character for so many years, so much, so many scenes, it's, you know, it is you, so, in a way.
1: But do you, do you, on the flip side of that, do you kind of fall into the trap of being complacent with it a little bit?
2: Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Absolutely, you're always trying to catch yourself and keep yourself from doing that. So most times when you when you are being complacent, you don't know you're being complacent. <laughs> you know, there are some actors that just don't give a rip. You know, that's a different story, you know when you become complacent, usually somebody will remind you or you see yourself and you're like, "Oh man, what have I become
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you try to
2: you know
1: and how do you how do you combat that i mean practically well me i just i j- I'm
2: always looking to see what's working and what's not working, you know. That's what I was always doing when I was on the show. I was all I would watch every single show I did, and uh, and sometimes two or three times, so that I could I could see what I was doing was working because what I was doing was a conscious choice. I was making specific. I was trying to do specific things, and I wanted to see if they worked. Yeah, and it was great. It was great because you could actually, you know, two weeks later your show would be on the air, and you get to watch to see if it. You know, it was a great way to learn. It was a great way to learn how to yeah. use the camera, how to how to act in front of a camera. Yeah.
1: And when did you know that you had it? I mean, when did you really know I can do this? I, I I can I can work the camera. I can work the lights. I can work the. That
2: happened on Santa Barbara. I mean, a couple of times in in all my children. Um, I was
0: I felt like I had
2: good days, but. There was a time on Santa Barbara I came in, um, I think it was pretty much the start, man. I mean, the first episode I did was in, they were in uh, San Francisco. We mm-hmm. did a remote up in San Francisco.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, it was with Gordon and, uh, gosh, what's her name now? I can't think of her
1: name. You were with uh, uh, Karen Moncrief, weren't you? She played Moncrief Kathy. is a director yeah. now. You, you know her story? I don't know her story. Oh, my gosh. What a great
2: story. You should get her on your show. She, uh, uh, when Santa Barbara ended, she did a few more uh, things, acting roles and uh, episodics. And then she went to L.A. City College to the film art department there. She got a film degree. She's, uh, she's a film director now. She did Blue Car and The Dead Girl <gasps> and a couple of others.
1: Yeah, she's Directed huge. them. Dude.
2: Yeah, dude. She's Huge. She's a terrific wow. director. I remember Blue
1: Car several years ago. Yes.
2: She's an actor's director. I mean, she likes to do the independent stuff. I tell you what, you should look, for, look her up. Excellent. But that's who was up in San Francisco. And, uh, and then I came back to the set. And so it was weird. It was kind of been a little adventure. I was on a movie set in the city. We were filming in the city there. And so by the time I got back to the set, I felt like I belonged. And the very first scene that I had was I was walking back into the house after be, after Ted was away for a while, and I started I howled like a dog,
0: you know. I just and that was a
2: choice I made, you know. And I asked the director. I said, I'm going to howl. What do you think? And he says, Well, like a wolf or a coyote. And I said, Well, like a coyote. He says, Do the wolf. I said, Okay. That came in. <laughs> I don't know what the difference would have been, but uh, I did the wolf, and uh, and I felt it was a huge choice, and I tr- I was trying to push myself to make those massive choices and things that that I was afraid of, basically, that I was afraid to do stuff like that, and and so I was facing myself in the mirror, and I'm saying, you know, you're going to do this, and I did it, you know, pass or fail, I did it. Mhm.
1: Yeah. You pass, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Michael Brainerd? What's on the what's on the agenda? What's coming up?
0: Uh well, um
2: got an audition tomorrow for uh Excellent. A uh movie of the week. I think they're on the Hallmark channel now. Movie of the week's uh Megastorm. It's called Megastorm.
1: Okay. Uh
2: but uh after that, I am uh I don't know. Let's see. I got this piece of furniture to finish and <laughs> some writing. Uh, I actually have a, a story that I'm hoping to, um, not hoping to, I'm going to. Right, that's the way to say it. I'm going Absolutely. To do, this is going into production this spring, and we're going to shoot it here in my neighborhood. And it's a two-character piece, a uh, um, guy and a girl, and uh, it's based on Dostoevsky's White Knight's a uh, short film, a uh, short, excellent short story. And uh, we'll be utilizing Griffith Park. And,
1: excellent. Yeah. A gorgeous place. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 uh, My boyfriend lived out in L.A. for for a time, and so when I would go visit him, uh, the first time I went to visit him, um, I wanted to see the Hollywood sign, and he said, "Well, the best place is from the observatory up at the top of 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 of, uh, Griffith Park there." Yeah. So we hiked up this ridiculous hill. I mean, it took like thirty minutes to. Get it to the top, and I run up
2: that hill every day.
1: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I tell you what, it's it it it's 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 an endurance tester to be sure.
0: And anyway, yeah, we got up to the top, though, right? and
1: we took pictures of the sign, and looked at the observatory, and it was really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty, Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I've had such a blast talking to you, and this ninety minutes literally flew past. I mean, it's it's,
0: ninety
1: minutes, huh? Yes, 90. it's ninety-four minutes. Actually, oh, well, we went four minutes over. Worry, <laughs> I certainly hope this isn't our final conversation. I, 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 um. No, let's do it again
2: sometime.
1: I tell you what, you're you're welcome here anytime. You have a standing and permanent forum here on the Buzz to talk about whatever you wish, whenever you wish.
2: Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I will take
1: you up on that. I, I sure will. Please do. Thank you. Before I let you go, could I get one quick favor? Yeah. Could I get you to do a promo for the show? You can say anything you like as long as it includes the words Michael Brainerd and Brandon's Buzz. Okay. And I'm recording now, so whenever you're ready, shoot.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm better with lines. Oh, this is Michael Brainerd. I'm much better with lines when I'm uh, left to my own devices and to uh talk about um you know, anything. I'm uh you know, I do this a hum and a haw and a hum, and a hum and I it's a lot of space and you know time. But uh this is Michael Brainerd on Brandon's Buzz.
1: Are you buzzed? How's that? It's fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was really a great honor speaking to you. I had a blast. I, yeah, um, I did too. I did too. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. You got it. Have a good night out there. Stay, right. stay dry.
0: Yeah, thank you, sir.
1: So, <laughs> <Go on>. Mike, <laughs> Michael Brainerd, everybody. Bye.
2: Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Talk to you soon.
1: Bye. <laughs> So that's it. Brandon's Buzz comes to an end Monday, February 9th. We're done. Wednesday night. Come on back. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. It's an hour earlier than usual with uh, Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Abra Moore. Very excited about that. Thursday morning, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific with legendary actress Joan Van Ark. So it's a great big week here on Brandon's Buzz, and I hope you come on back and hang with us and ask questions, and it's going to be great fun. So... Brandon's Buzz. You can download the show from the website later tonight, which is blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also download the show from iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Type Brandon's Buzz into the search box. My podcast comes up. You can subscribe to the podcast, or you can download individual episodes, and there will be five of them now, because this was my fifth episode, with the fantastic Michael Brainerd, who I hope comes back many, many times. He's As I said, you are welcome here anytime, sir. You have a standing and permanent forum here on The Buzz to discuss whatever you like. Um, I had great fun. I hope you did too. See you again Wednesday night. Abra Moore comes to Brandon's Buzz. Good night, everybody.